Hello all and welcome to episode 275 of The Yellow Wallpot. My name is Stefan Butzko and I'm joined on this Monday. And yeah, it really feels like a Monday after this Saturday. Uh, Matthias Zuck, hello Matthias, how are you doing? Well, thankfully the sun is shining uh, again and it's <laughs> warm, at least for a few days before the snow starts again. But um, I'm, I'm well, let's, well, we'll talk about it in a minute. I'm, I'm okay, I guess. <laughs> no, I mean, aside from Dortmund, uh, life's pretty good, but that was, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. 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 I, I, I had a poll on uh, our Twitter account whether we actually should talk about this game or not. And I think the majority, uh, two thirds <laughs> said no, <laughs> but uh, I I don't know if if uh, we can honor this the democratic process. Yeah, no, I think it, this needs to be yeah. talked to in one way. Yeah, or unfortunately, I'm sorry, people. We're gonna have to talk about this. I I don't think we're gonna spend an hour on it because you know I I I like I I like myself too much to do that to myself. <laughs> yeah, I, I I completely agree. Um. I mean, this 5-0 loss was just pathetic and embarrassing. I don't really have any words because, you know, I'm the guy who spent, I don't know how many hours in total, you know, having three episodes out there just to hype this game and, and basically saying this is one of the biggest games since the Champions League final. And to me, it really was. And then to see this anticlimactic performance was just... I've, I really felt it was a punch in the gut, not, not to me personally, but I think to, to every Dortmund fan. And, um, to me, there are a couple of takeaways from, from this game for the bigger pictures that I will talk about in a second. But Matthias, um, first, I think, uh, it's, it's your turn and honor since you weren't on last week to talk about Borussia Dortmund's initiative to, uh, get people outside and have nice little outdoor walks which I think you did at some point in the second half. Uh, yeah, you know, I just, uh, after the third goal, I was like, you know, it's screwed. I'm going to go for a walk. I can, I can watch the match again later. I don't have to deal with this live. Um, and I did. I, I did watch it. <laughs> you, you actually I watched, watched I watched the rest uh, unemotionally, which is the important thing because then I could... Well, this is how everyone yeah. else watched it. Well, though. I mean, I could, <laughs> I could get it out of my head. Uh, in terms of really looking at it without the emotional, what the hell is going on? Um, and, and actually rewatched the first half, believe it or not, uh, because that's really where everything just completely fell apart. Um, I, I want to thank, uh, Zagadu for, uh, giving me a reason to go for a walk with my family. Um, and uh, that that will be a pain point I will address. Uh, Zagadu, Dahoot, and so on. Um, I'll be honest. The frustrating thing about this was uh, the first five minutes were pretty good. <laughs> uh, the, 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 the following 85 minutes, uh, rather not. Uh, what, what's frustrating is when that breakaway happened where Brunlassen... And, and Royce really, I mean, they, they took Bayern apart in three passes. Unfortunately, you had the, for me, one of the worst Dortmund players, period, and biggest transfer flops we've had, um, who I've been very harsh on, and I feel completely justifiably so, missed what really is an open net. I mean, the positioning of Manuel Neuer, 
it was harder for him to do what he did than to score. I mean, to hit the post. And in first, in the first moment, I went, oh, that's a bad miss. And then when they showed the replay, I saw just how bad of a miss it was because they showed the behind the goal camera. And you just saw how far out of position Manu Anoya was and how incredibly wide open it was. And if in that situation, you would have swapped Royce for Dahut and Götze for Royce, it would have been a goal. Because Royce buries that. I mean, there is no doubt about it. Goodson sure dares buries anybody else buries that in that situation. Um, except maybe Sancho, because he would have held it up for a dribble. Um, but sorry, um, little levity. And to me, had that gone in, we would have seen a different match. It would have calmed the nerves. It would have allowed Dortmund to play what essentially Favre was maybe trying to play. We'll, I guess we'll get into what he may have been thinking in a little bit. And Bayern would have had to play a little bit differently. I think they would have played with more risk, which would have opened up more space for counterattacks, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And um, that doesn't say that Dortmund wouldn't have lost this match. They wouldn't have lost as badly. They may have drawn. They may have won. But I don't think it would. Have, the match would have ended in this way. And then, of course... Um, what's very frustrating is of, of, of I mean, what the f- first three goals essentially were gifts, um, because again, somehow set pieces, who needs to defend them? Uh, Zagadu, who needs to ever think in a moment like that? And that's what's really annoying is that it's just gave them goals. And Bayern isn't a team you need to give those kind of... You don't have to give those kind of chances to anyone, but especially not Bayern. They are so good that they could try to work for it. <laughs> and and Dolan was kind of like, here you go. And and that's what, what really frustrated me more than anything. If Bayern would have, you know, gone up 4-0 at half because of beautiful passing plays and movement and goals kind of along the lines of when Pep took apart Thomas Tuchel's side, that would have been like, okay, fine. fine. It's just, just so much better. And this was just boneheaded stupidity and poor defending. And um, I, I think we'll get into Zagadu, at least my opinion on Zagadu in a little bit, but um that's 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 enough for me for right now uh, while I sip on my coffee and regain my composure. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I personally want to harp too much on Zagadu. I mean, yes, he he made a terrible terrible mistake, but um I don't know. In in the in the grand scheme of things, I actually can forgive that quite easily to be honest because I would pin maybe not the entire blame but i think this game to me and i'm very happy that a lot of people will disagree with me um but after two days thinking about it i just think this game exposed that lucien favre is not the right coach for borussia dortmund even if he wins the championship and that might be a little bit of a paradox on i don't care um because the way he thought about this game, and we have a term for it, it's called Fatocheln, <laughs> when you overthink something so bad that the tactical plan you come up with 
is so horrendously bad that it just, you know, explodes in your face. And I think this is exactly what happened to Lucien Favre here. Um, because, you know, we had the hindsight. We now have the hindsight now, obviously, but we already had the hindsight of, I don't know, 20, 30 plus games for Bayern this season. And we exactly knew what was going to happen, what Bayern were going to do. They would pass the ball you know, easily around if you let them and sort of just get get in the position they want to be and then just destroy you on, uh, you know, the final pass with one means or another. Be it set pieces, which Bayern have shown this season they're very strong at, or, you know, just floaters from, from half-field crosses or whatever, as uh, Thomas Müller and Serge Gnabry showed for the 4 nothing, And um, it's just... A no-go for me to go to Bayern Munich and set up right away in a low block and not have any sort of midfield pressing or counter-pressing or any pressing. Uh, that was just passiveness. And this is, to me, um, indefensible. And I don't know what Lucien Favre was thinking because even freaking Heidenheim showed that if you put pressure on Bayern, if you press them high up the field, you will force mistakes. And there were not anything from Dortmund even remotely out there to force mistakes. What happened is that Dortmund highlighted all their own weaknesses by, you know, basically playing in a low block, hoping that Bayern Munich will lose the ball. But the problem is Dortmund did not have the ball retention at all. I mean, Mario Götze, for example, was sitting on the bench to execute the counter-attacking plan that maybe Favre has crafted because they were so far up their own end that they just... You know, it was just too long. Yes, they had this one good move. And I think that was toxic for Favre because he, he probably believed that Dortmund could replicate that. They had this one good move where, where they created a chance. But after that, there was nothing else attacking wise because Dortmund were so far away from, from Bayern's goal that, you know, they just couldn't do anything. So that is number one. Number one is just a tactical setup in 4-3-3 with Dahoud, who has done nothing all season and, uh, there's not really a reason why you would play him and and leaving Götze one of the best players in the last months or so out. That that is to me completely, you know, inexcusable. So the game plan itself was entirely bullshit. Because without any pressing whatsoever, you just make it way too easy for Bayern. Again, Heidenheim had a better plan. So this is number one. Number two for me is the attitude. Um Bayern Munich, and I think Konstantin and I had a slight disagreement over this, and I, I think Bayern just have the physical edge, but also just the determination. I mean, this is something we don't really love to talk about, but I think in this game it really showed that there was one team that really wanted to win this game, and there was one team that was simply afraid. And Bayern, in almost every challenge, they went through the challenge so to speak and and really fought for the ball and you saw just Dortmund players yielding basically and this is another thing that to me has a lot to do with mentality and I really you know was for the first time in I don't know how many years really hoping that Jürgen Klopp would be back at the sidelines because under him this sort of performance probably would have never happened this way because players would have come out all guns blazing or at least you know if you lose you go down with a fight but Dortmund went down without a fight and this yeah really speaks for the entire team and the lackluster body language in comparison to how Bayern players 
you know, with grit and determination played. You know, sometimes we just have to address it that the, uh, I don't know if you want to call it passion or willingness. I think this is the wrong vocabulary, but, um, you know, just how you approach a tackle, how you follow through. I think the, the body language just showed. And to me, that, that really shows that Lucien Favre, with all that he has done for Dortmund this season, how far he has brought this team, there is a ceiling for him that he just cannot motivate these players to go over their limit. And uh, I think this showed in the game where it was really all or nothing, where a lot of things weren't aligned for Dortmund. And also really where they could have made a big push for their own good in, in terms of you know how, how neutrals maybe perceive them and what kind of team they are. I mean, just a reminder, Fox actually opted to show this game in the US on Fox, not Fox Sports 1 or Fox Sports 2, on Fox. So the audience was quite broader than it usually was. And just in terms of that, it was like a full-fledged embarrassment. So um, just looking at this game and also maybe at the Tottenham games, um, when when really push comes to shove, I don't think Lucien Favre is the right coach to implement a mindset in this team um, where they really fight to death. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people can come up with a lot of arguments, maybe even you, Matthias, why this is entirely wrong, because they have shown grit and determination in so many other games where they, you know, all look just at all the stoppage time winners I know. But I think really in this game, they were just not mentally prepared. And I pin that completely on Lucien Favre. Well, here's an interesting thing. Um, there are points you've raised that I completely 100% agree with and points that I completely 100% disagree with, which which, make, which, which makes fair. this fun. We're going to start with the agreements, all right? Let's start with the good and end with the bad. <laughs> um, unlike Dortmund, who started with the bad and... Okay, they continued the bad. But anyway, um, wh where I completely agree is the tactical setup. Uh, that That is just like pretty much all of his predecessors. <laughs> First trip to Munich, getting it totally wrong. Um, I mean, you kind of have to ignore Peter Stuga uh, because that was just, things were just so bad. Well, he, um, he was out of tactical options. Yeah, at this of course point, he was. So. Um, and, and you could argue that Favre <laughs> had some limitations due to injuries, but I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. Tuchel, probably the best example of getting it just as wrong. Uh, I remember that first horrendous trip to Munich. Uh, and Klopp's first one, you can kind of ignore because that was a the 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 Dortmund squad that Klopp had in his first trip to Munich was a bottom half Bundesliga quality side um going I mean think about it we're, we're going back 11 years at this point so the um or 10 years sorry the the <laughs> the point I want to make tactically where Favre, in my opinion, got it wrong was the moment I saw the lineups. Um, I'm not... <laughs> I, I'm, I think for yeah, everyone that was the moment. I, I'm not... I Okay, Guerrero out and you put JBL on the left-hand side, Sancho on the right. That's cool. I'm fine with that. Um, and But it's it's the guts of thing. And then Dahoud, because Favre has shown that he has no trust in Dahoud because he didn't play him in big matches. So this is one where I don't know if there was something else that happened pre-match, if there's something physically with Gutze, he wasn't just quite 
you know, there yet. I don't know. It was just so odd because Favre has shown that he has no trust in Dahoud. And there's good reason to have no trust in Dahoud because he's not a good player. Um, defensively, I honestly don't know. I mean, did Schmetzer drop kick Favre in the nuts or something at some point this season that even when he's the only option, he doesn't get picked because to me, it would have been smarter to have Akanji and Diallo and then Schmetzer on the left because, and no, this loss does not go on Zagadou. Um, but a lot of the blame does. Uh, and, and part of it, I will protect him because he's a, seems like a nice kid and he is a kid. He's 19. Far too, and I will say this in French so he understands, far too laissez faire in the way he goes about matches. It drives me nuts watching the casual nature in which a lot of times he defends. And maybe that's also due to the side, due to the fact that he's so big. It just seems like he's, you know, going at a casual pace, whereas someone... I think that yeah. it also has to do with his resting bitch face. <laughs> and no, I mean, I don't care about that. I mean, I've been accused of that. Um, but it's just, he has shown to me time and time again, when push comes to shove, he is naive and makes the wrong decisions. He's been bailed out so many times by his players around him because of stupid clearances, bad positioning, not trying when it comes to aerial challenges. The dude's a giant, and he is so easily beaten in the air, it's embarrassing. Diallo, who's significantly shorter, is significantly better in aerial challenges than Zagadou. And that, to me... The, the fact that Dortmund could get a young player from PSG like that, now I know why. Because he's not good enough for PSG. He's not good enough for Dortmund. Not yet. Not for important matches. That is a huge, huge mistake. He's a, seems like a nice kid. He may turn into a good defender eventually. He is not it now. Not against teams like this. He's just nowhere near good enough and shouldn't sniff the starting lineup at this point. He impressed me in the first half of the season because I thought last season he was a he was a dumpster fire and since his injury he's reverted back to that dumpster fire every single time he's in the lineup and defends I'm scared I will defend him in the sense that he's 19 years old he's not 26 27 he has a ton of development ahead of him this wasn't the match to try to develop him because honestly it may have sent him back because he was that atrociously bad um and tactically i totally agree with you if if you look at and and i will take the heidenheim match out of it because of the early red card <laughs> you, you know it's it's hard even michael Zoak said it in the the pre-match press conference where he said you know i mean they were down to 10 men for 80 minutes i mean what it's, well, that's, it's that's all fair. It's, I mean, Heidenheim I, is maybe the worst I will, example. I will take there. two. So many other good two. examples this well, season three. of teams playing well against. Yeah, Bayern. I'll take three. The second half of the first match between Dortmund and Bayern is a good example. Liverpool in both matches and Freiburg. Honestly, the Freiburg match should have shown it. If you press this team, if you're aggressive, if you punch them in the mouth, they crumble. They don't know what to do. To me, Kimmich 
good player, no doubt. You get physical with him, he panics. Um, Hummels, if you send Sancho or anybody against him one-on-one, he gets beaten. Zula is the one exception in that, uh, in my opinion. Even Alaba gets too far out of position. You can go after him. Central midfield, Tiago, you step on his toes, he falls down anyway. Um, <laughs> and, and Coman, you can physical him out pretty easily, to be honest. He beats you on pace, and that's that. So tactically, to me, yes, he tuckled it. He completely overthought it, <laughs> but I'm not surprised. Um, but in a Favre I, way, like Thomas Tuchel would have never applied no, such a low block no, with, with the passiveness, no. which was obviously bad. He, Tuchel, what Tuchel did was he outthought it in an attacking sense and left so many gaps open that it just made it easy. Um, but with Favre, I'm not surprised because I watched a lot of him at Gladbach. And in the big matches, you could just see him trying to think of ways on how to cancel out the opponent whilst trying to maintain defensive solidity. The problem is the individual mistakes for which a coach cannot account. Uh, that's, that's just that what Zagadou did there or not defending or not jumping for a corner. Uh, you know, th- those are things that that's just, it is what it is. Um, well, but, actually, you know, if we talk about set pieces, I have a whole other rent in store. But that's but that's okay. but that's been a Dortmund issue for seasons. That's been a Dortmund issue for for a long time. Uh, defending set pieces, not so much attacking set pieces, but defending set pieces, and and just like with the German national team, I mean, it's just it's just an issue. Um, but so for there, I totally agree with you. Tactically, screwed up, completely screwed up, uh, which. Which has been known to happen with Dortmund at Bayern. Um, mentality. I agree with you. I consider myself a little bit of a tactic fetishist, but, um, I completely disagree with those that are all about tactics and says but we shouldn't talk about mentality and will and determination. That's crap, in my opinion. That plays almost as much a role as the tactical setup does because you saw it Augsburg, Nürnberg, Burnley, clubs like that, um, Sweden at the World Cup. It's not that they were brilliant tactically. They were just disciplined. They had the right mentality and that grit and determination you talked about. And Dortmund have shown it again and again and again this season. I mean, you think about it, if every match would end after the 83rd minute, Dortmund would be in a Europa League spot this season. <laughs> Slightly above Schalke. I mean, they would be 11 points down. Um, and Paco has scored, and that's a big, that was a huge miss this, this match because of what it kind of got Favre to think about. Um, I mean, he scored five goals after the 90th minute, I believe, this season, which is insane. So Dortmund has shown that will and determination to come and claw and fight. But they showed up in Munich like so many teams do and had already crapped their pants before the first whistle. And that, you can't do that to Bayern. Bayern isn't that great. They're very good. If Dortmund was 100% fit and would have played more like the second half in Dortmund against Bayern, 
Dortmund aren't that much worse than Bayern. Honestly, I don't believe that Bayern's current roster is significantly better than Dortmund's. But please explain to me, Matthias, mm -hmm. how do you manage to show up in Munich as the team leading the Bundesliga? Leading the Bundesliga with two freaking points. And just think about that. Bayern just had a winning streak, basically. They won 13 of 15 games. That's amazing. And it was still not enough for them to leapfrog Dortmund, which really shows you how great Dortmund is this season. And then go to Munich and all your confidence... Everything you could, you know, be confident about, you know, the the last wins, so many stoppage time wins where you can say, great, this gives us confidence, all that gone. How how do you explain that? How How is that all gone? It's Please, very simple. Just, I, it's I, very simple. It's very simple. It's the players that either Favre chose to use or was forced to use, in my personal opinion. Um I'll, I'll like was what was it just like the, the maybe the whole team had the same reaction as as you know we had when we saw Dahoud on the team sheet and, and the lineup in general maybe they just lost belief just looking at the lineup sheet I don't know what happened I I agree just, I agree they probably went what the fuck you know why is this joker playing because he's a joke of a player he really is and for all those people who want to defend Dahoud stop just Stop. If you're not believing that he's nowhere near good enough for Dortmund now, you will never be convinced of the truth. And if you look at players in there, Jakob Brunlassen and Sancho, very young players, very young players easily succumb to pressure. That's just a fact of life. That's just a fact of life that young people are prone more to emotional reactions and to crumbling under pressure. That's just a fact. Um, you throw in the fact that Dahut is useless and has always proven to be useless. Um, Not oh, always. I mean, 90% of the time, he is worthless in matches where he actually needs to do something. You combine that with the fact that Zagadou crumbled and is prone to make mistakes. Diallo wasn't great. And then you look at players that are more let's call it leaders in the side. You had Pischek, who was basically isolated against Coman because Sancho didn't offer anything defensively. Akanji was def was uh, isolated in defense because he had nobody around him helping him. Buki I felt really bad for <laughs> uh, because, you know, it looks bad on the score sheet, but it's not his fault. Um, and Royce was totally isolated up top. There was just nothing there. And... And so if you combine all that together, that's where you get that. And you throw in a tactical setup that didn't encourage um, courageous play. Let's put it that way. Um, and Favre is not Klopp. Neither is Tuchel. Um, you know, Favre is a significantly more subdued person just from his personality. He's quieter. He's not a yeller. Um, yes, occasionally he does on the sidelines, but it's not club. It's, it's, it's not, it's nowhere near that level. All right, Matthias, let's put it this way. Um, I completely agree with you that looking at the entire body of work that Favre has delivered for Dortmund, you know, you can't say he's a bad coach or anything, but I just don't know if he's the right coach necessarily. And this is maybe the point I should have made earlier. 
I mean, my wife called it losing without any dignity. And um, overall, it's just maybe the, the, the style of, of Favre that he prefers sometimes, that you just play in the slow block and don't show the aggression. I think this is not just a, a thing we see for the first time, but overall just the... Uh, <laughs> Let's, let's put it this way, the way Favre thinks about football, how his philosophy is. And I just think um, Dortmund, you know, with the introduction of Jurgen Klopp, they actively pursued a style that is very on the nose, where you are very aggressive, where you go for the win and don't just sit back, but you proactively take part in the game. And too often, I think we see an opposite approach of Lucien Favre and I think this collides a little bit with the DNA of Borussia Dortmund and how fans want to see them play. I mean, we always talk about this, you know, for years now that Dortmund fans are actually quite happy with, you know, even a loss if, if they know the players left it all out there. And I think if you play this defensively as Favre did, you can easily get the impression that Dortmund did not do the thing. Maybe you can play defensively and still have the impression that the players left it all out there, as we often see with Atletico. But just the way Favre sets up his team, and especially against Bayern, I, I think in the long term there will be differences between the fan base and how they want to perceive football and how Lucid Favre perceives football. I think this is the the issue that I have a little bit with the, with the long-term um relationship of Lucy Favre and Dortmund obviously the results are great and you know he is a very good coach but I still think that there is a discussion to be had about whether his footballing style let's put it this way um and and Dortmund's you know adjusted idea in the beginning of 2007 or 2008 uh, is really uh, aligning see now this is a, a totally different argumentation and, and a philosophical 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 <laughs> discussion that I'm I'm all about and and where I will agree that you can have and you need to have that debate. Um, anybody who who comes out and says Favre is a shit coach, that I won't entertain. You know nothing about the sport. If that's if your argument is he's a bad coach, you know nothing. You know, that's fine. Come at me. I don't care. Given what he's done at Hertha, Gladbach, Nice, and Dortmund, he's an extraordinarily good coach. So, that to the side. Um, I, I remember, yeah, four and a half years ago, I was in Switzerland, and Gladbach had a Europa League match against FC Zürich. I went to the match, and oh my God, was it boring. It was so bad. Uh, Zürich were playing defensively because they they packed everybody in. They played to not lose. And this was a Favre-Gladbach side that is was used to at the time in the Bundesliga being the team that sat back and countered. So they had to, they were on the front foot. They had to break them down. And it was really, there were a lot of matches this season. Nürnberg's probably one of the prime ones where the opposition just put everybody in the back. I, you know, I call it chicken shit football. Uh, put everybody in the back, and their goal is to not lose. They don't care about winning. They just don't want to lose. I, I hate that. I, it, it rubs me the wrong way. Um, and, and it was really hard to try to break through. And Dortmund had a few good opportunities, didn't utilize them. I can think of Götze having a couple of good ones. But that 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 was really 
reminded me a lot of that match against FC Zürich with Gladbach. And I heard another podcast um, where a Gladbach supporter said, you get these kind of matches with Favre. That's just Favre. And you take that into account when he's your manager, given that the overall product is very, very good. Uh, but you will get those kind of matches. And, and that's really the discussion you have to have. Is it the club DNA that, that this is the style you want? It's tactically, he's an extremely astute manager. There is no doubt about that. Um, he is not Klopp or, or, uh, an RB Leipzig. Uh, like we said, kind of off camera and I'm stealing this from somebody else. The way RB Leipzig play, it is a, um, attacking oriented defensive tactic. And it's basically, that's, that was Klopp style. You know, he, it was very attractive and aggressive and going forward, but it was meant to pee solid defensively, you know, keep the ball away from your goal. Um, and, and that's kind of Rangnick is the, the, the German preacher of that for 20 plus years. And Favre, that's not him. That's not him. It's, if there's a pressing, it's more a midfield press or a situational high press, but he, you will not see 70, 80, 90 minutes of aggressive in your face attacking football. That was Peter Bosch. Peter Bosch almost to a degree of, uh, um, you know, suicidal football. But it, <laughs> but like you had said, that was more in line with the Dortmund system under Klopp. Tuchel already took Dortmund away from that a little bit. And that's why I think Bosch also failed because he just didn't have the right players. And, and we now know, looking back at it, there was, there was a, a cancer in the squad at the time. I think Bosch, with the current crop of Dortmund players, would have been more successful. And he may still be Dortmund manager with the current crop of players versus who he had at his disposal at the time. Um, so I totally get that, that issue. It's Favre's style of football. When after Tuchel left, I remember saying on a yellow wall that I don't know if I want Favre. Aside from how he left Gladbach, I remember seeing a lot of Gladbach matches that were very defensive and, and very boring and slow and ponderous. And that's who he is. Now, the results are there. Dublin, at times, when they attack, plays some of the most exciting, wonderful football you could see across Europe, especially the first half of the season. They were amazing. But you will get these types of matches and performances from Lucien Favre. And I guess the debate that will have to be had by Watzke and Zorc and Raubal and Kehl and Zama is, is this the long-term direction of the club? Favre isn't going anywhere. They're not going to get rid of him after this season. He's going to be here another season at least. Also, like you said, just lack of other options. But that's that's a debate that I encourage people to have, especially if you're going to have it on an intelligent, I'm not going to say unemotional level. Sport is emotion, but not say, oh, he's crap, because he's not. Yeah, I, I really think this is... This is um something to ponder on also you know if if you discuss it in a vacuum that's fine but the the problem is also for Dortmund to get a coach that maybe fits their profile a little bit better that actually is a better coach or at the same level of Lucien Favre because as you just said he's a really good coach um the problem is maybe it, it does not entirely align with Dortmund's philosophy but you know 
than bringing someone to the table who can do the same that that Favre has done so far this season will not be easy. Now, I will openly admit I I still think that Dortmund would have been better off in the long term with a coach like Julian Nagelsmann because I do think that he um his his approach and his style is very sophisticated on a tactical level that you can compete on the highest level but at the same time it's also not as what you described as chicken shit football. Um, maybe I would perceive Lucien Favre's way of playing a little bit different if uh, Dortmund could actually defend in the way he is setting them up. Because, you know, Dortmund were very defensive against Bayern, but um, yeah, just being defensive-minded doesn't mean you actually defend very well. So um, yeah, it was just also poorly, poorly executed. That maybe comes on top if, if Dortmund are actually quite solid and Bayern don't create anything even though they are trying very hard then that might be another story and uh, I'm just very unhappy with the way Dortmund defend maybe maybe I have to mitigate that but I just uh, I don't know um I remember let's say the uh, transformation between Tuchel and Klopp and I remember a lot of Dortmund fans talking about how boring they find it even though Tuchel was very successful and uh I, I thought his, his style of play was very appealing, but a lot of Dortmund fans have, you know, turned their back on that instantly. So, um, yeah, I don't know in what kind of direction the club wants to go, but um, Lucien Favre has a certain way of, of playing, and I don't think that's going to change, even though uh, you probably tweak the squad a little bit. And then, of course, you need to sign the players that fits that profile, and then if you want to, you know, if if you really have a team then that's 100% what Lucien Favre wants um, do you then still have a squad that is something that 100% Dortmund want in the front office so yeah I think to everyone out there that's a very good discussion to have and uh, Matthias um, yeah maybe maybe it's time now to focus on the positive which is that Dortmund is only trailing one point and that Bayern probably played their very best performance uh, for the rest of the season because I don't see that Bayern will replicate that sort of performance again unless they might play that way against Hanover or Nürnberg or whatever but in the crucial games probably not so Matthias um, even though this was a really tough blow for Dortmund overall um, I don't think it's time to you know say goodbye to the title race whatsoever I, I still think there's a very good chance of Dortmund winning it and I think that belief still needs to be kept so um, what makes you hopeful for the rest of the season that Dortmund actually can go all the way well I mean you're right um, there are still 18 points up for grabs um, 6 matches left if you do a side by side comparison of the fixtures for both Dortmund and Bayern there are a few easy ones in there uh, where you got to say, okay, that's going to be a win. But overall, Bayern have the more difficult run-in. Um, first of all, the final two match days, away at Leipzig, at home against Frankfurt, I think are going to be very, very difficult, and I think they're going to drop points, um, may maybe even significant points there. And then they also have uh, the Cup semifinal against Bremen right after hosting Bremen in the league. So that'll be interesting how both teams deal with that uh, and I think Florian Kofeld is an extremely good young coach so I it that those are kind of the the hiccups potentially I think 
Bayern will beat Düsseldorf, Nürnberg, and Hannover. Those are all kind of givens for me to a degree, even though, of course, they didn't beat Fortuna Düsseldorf in the first half of the season, just like Dortmund, just like Dortmund, especially because Bayern is playing away at Düsseldorf, whereas Dortmund is hosting Düsseldorf. And I think that plays in Dortmund's advantage. If I look at Dortmund's uh, schedule coming up, you know, they've got Mainz at home. I think under Favre, we'll see a better home performance against Mainz versus last season under Stuga. Uh, so I think that's going to be a win. Freiburg's going to be tricky, but that's going to be a win because those are two teams that aren't playing for anything. They're not going to go to Europe. They're not going to get relegated. Then, of course, there is Schalke at home, where I think that's going to be a win. I think it's going to be a confident win because Schalke are total garbage. Um, and I fail to see how getting rid of Tedesco and bringing in Hoop Stevens has done anything, uh, to be perfectly honest. Um, except maybe that the players really couldn't stand Tedesco anymore at the end, which is a potential. Um, but I think, uh, you know, Schalke have pride to play for at that point, but the teams below them are just so bad, they're not going to be relegated. Um, and then, of course, there's the very tricky match against Vera Bremen away. And Bremen's playing for Europe in the last match day against Gladbach. In my opinion, that could be a draw. You feel pretty confident it's going to be a win because Gladbach are also a hot mess. They are just falling apart right now. So there is a very good chance that Dortmund will still win the title just because Bayern have a tougher run-in, have an additional match because of um, the DFB-Pokal. And so it'll be interesting to see where they decide to rotate or not to rotate, um, especially because if they play a lot of the same players in the league match against Bremen and the cup match, after that they may rotate out and they'll play away at Nürnberg and Nürnberg at home is not an easy side to beat anymore. Very solid defensively, obviously, as Dortmund has found out. Um, so there are trickier matches for Bayern than for Dortmund for the rest of the season. But, yeah, again, like we've said, you never know because we obviously don't know. Um, but just playing the odds makers here, I feel confident that Bayern will drop more points than Dortmund. Will it be enough to basically make up two points because of the superior goal difference? I don't, I, that I don't know. Um, but the chances are still very good that Dortmund's going to win the title. And I completely disagree with some of the comments I've seen and heard that said Dortmund losing like this to Bayern means Dortmund don't deserve to win the title. That's crap. Um, you deserve to win the title if you have the most points at the end of the season. That's, that's why we have what we have. Um, it's not a one-off playoff. It's, you know, I mean, it's, it's not the, the DFB Pokal final where if you have a bad match and you lose the final, yeah, you didn't deserve to win the final. Period. Um, that's not how league play is done. And I completely disagree with that, uh, cause Bayern have laid some eggs this season as well. Yeah, totally. I mean, the, the only problem is that if we look at Dortmund's performances, in recent weeks, Dortmund didn't really, as we say in German, play the yellow of the egg. <laughs> um, so th that's maybe. But that's to be expected. That's to be expected at this time of the season, given the overall fixture congestion for a lot of these players over the course of the year. The injuries you're now dealing with, obviously, Bayern front loaded a lot of those issues, whereas Dortmund has back loaded those issues. Um, and. 
I, I'm, I'm not surprised that it's gotten a little bit zäh, as we would say in German, <laughs> a few times, but those are still important points that still got one. I don't, at this point in the season, it's about getting points. You know, I've talked, I have a lot of friends that are Liverpool fans. They're like, at this point in the season, we don't care about magical moments. We just want the points. We just want to win the damn thing. And I think that's what it comes down to at this point. Not everybody can be a Pep Guardiola Man City where, it's you you don't win ugly you only win beautifully it's really weird and very frustrating yeah no i mean i'm i'm already looking forward to the game against mainz because even though mainz beat freiburg 5-0 after freiburg had a scoreless draw against bayern because you know explain the bundesliga please um i i, I still don't think that um mainz will uh yeah be a big threat to dortmund in in the sense that uh um, I, I don't know. I just let's let's start the sentence differently. I think that Dortmund will really bounce back from this loss. Um, I just don't see how Dortmund would roll over once again for Mainz. Um, just don't see that. I think um, they all understood that the way they played against Bayern was not a way to win anything, and I think there is enough determination in this Dortmund team that realizes you know how bad they were and will show a counter reaction and maybe maybe this this loss in in some sort of way can help Dortmund to actually you know get their shit together and uh, perform on the on the level that they have to to win these tight games that are certainly not easy to win but are also winnable at the same time and uh just do enough so that the details and the uh, nuances that you need to to you know tilt these games in your favor that Dortmund actually achieves that. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to to your reaction because if Dortmund win, it's the uh, Saturday evening match. Then uh, they are back on on top again, and then Bayern Munich once again have to answer. And if Bayern drop, you know. As much as draw against Düsseldorf, Dortmund will be on top again. So, um, you know, it's it's nice for Dortmund to, you know, put the pressure on Bayern again. And I think at this stage of the season, it absolutely is a factor. So, um, yeah, just just goes to show. Maybe for Bayern, the opposite will be true. Maybe after this game, um, they they think it's going to be a little bit too easy because Dortmund, let's face it, made it very easy. Uh, that they underestimate a team like Düsseldorf. Who knows? It, it wouldn't be the first time that Bayern underestimates a, an opponent and uh, then need a lot of luck. I'm just thinking about Bayern's 3-2 win away to Augsburg or the way they beat Stuttgart, even though it was 4-1 in the end. Um, for a very long time in these games, Bayern did not look like the better side or like the team that was going to come away victorious and they needed a lot of luck and help by the opponent to actually come away with all three points so don't uh Bayern are certainly prone as you said to to dropping points also in games like this and Tusseldorf right now now are on an absolute streak so they're they're like one of the hottest teams in the Bundesliga it's and we can't forget that Bayern dropped points at home against Tusseldorf at a time when Tusseldorf looked like they may be getting relegated uh, dead on favorite so i still think bayern is going to win it but i i wouldn't be surprised if they don't again uh it's it's not not a hundred percent given that bayern will blow out every team now in the league i just don't see that happening at all just because 
it's classic for Bayern to be completely inconsistent this season. It's not the same team anymore where they really juggernaut through the Bundesliga, um, even though this was this game was very one-sided. I just don't see it. So um, I don't know. As, as far as Mainz, um, obviously Dortmund now have to you know defend a little bit better, um, especially against uh, Mateta and I think Buetsuis, who had a very good game uh, against Freiburg and who I think um, is sort of a number... Tennis player, um, yeah, is, is really coming to, to life for Mainz. Um, and Mainz always have these, these phases where they are, you know, shockingly bad. And then, you know, have a couple of games where they actually really show that they can ball. But, um, yeah. I mean, we've talked about Mainz so often. I mean, with, with Jabaman and Lutza and, and so on, they, they have a couple of really good attacking players. And I, I think Quaison is, is also not too bad this season, so they they have it in them to to counter Dortmund, and it's once again on on Favre to figure something out so that Dortmund will beat uh, a very defensive minor team because I don't think that Mainz will really come out pressing Dortmund, but who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. Um, so yeah, but considering it's Monday, I think it's also a little bit too early to say whether um, Dortmund have all the players that would help, like Guerrero or like an Alcacer or like a Götze. Um, although, yeah, Götze was fit, right. So, um, again, I don't I don't know who's going to be fit, though, for, for this game, but it would help if Guerrero is, is fit again and if Alcacer, whatever his arm problem is, is uh, yeah dealt with. But we never know. Sometimes we just hear about an injury and not really know what it is, and then it turns out the players miss for another eight years. So, um, yeah, I'm just going to be very reserved. Anything you want to say on, on this particular game? Well, I kind of agree with you. I think um, definitely address set-piece defending. Uh, I think Mainz will be uh, focusing on that because uh, I don't think they're going to have much possession. I don't think they're going to have many shots on goal. I think Sandro Schwarz is a very good coach. Uh, personally, and uh, it's not going to be an easy win for Dortmund, but I think it's going to be a comfortable win at the end of the day because Mainz, when it comes to playing against significantly better sides, has tended to lay pretty big eggs this season. So um, I think Dortmund's going to win it, I think, uh, by a scoreline that may look a little more comfortable than the match feels because uh, Mainz also isn't scared of getting physical at times. But I, I, I think a a three nil victory is definitely doable. Yeah, for I Dortmund. agree. I mean, I said uh, before the Bayern game that I will never do predictions because it jinxes everything. But uh, since I I refuse to do a prediction and Dortmund were jinx anyway, uh, might as well go ahead. <laughs> and I think a three nil scoreline, or maybe even four nil, uh, is is something that I see from Dortmund. I just think they will bounce back in 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 a way that. Uh, you know, people will change their narrative quite quickly after writing them off after one loss <laughs> and being one point behind Bayern with six match days to go. Um, yeah, I know the performance and, and everything around it was very embarrassing. And uh, my wife complained a lot about, you know, at least lose with some dignity. <laughs> That's what she said. And uh, my wife also got very mad at the uh, Fox commentators. Uh, can't really blame her. But... Um, yeah, I think Dortmund will bounce back. So that's uh, that's the overlying message here. 
and hopefully we are right. So, Matthias, I think it's time to knock it on the head. Oh, no. No, no, no. There is still one more topic oh, to no. talk about. We, we have to at least talk about it in a cursory terms, and that's because, obviously, Kika is reporting that Tolkien Azad has decided to join Dortmund, which is kind of always an interesting way of wording things in a, a player power world. Um, but uh, that's being reported. Five minutes later, got reported that Liverpool won him. Um, <laughs> so so not a, so it's, so it's confirmed. Yeah, no, um, it's, it's kind of one of those where he hasn't been overly impressive over the last few weeks with Gladbach, but um, I, I, it, either way, it's Kika is saying it's a done deal. Obviously, Dortmund does not comment on things until it's actually a done deal. So I will reserve my rumor mongering until Dortmund confirms or completely categorically well, denies it. Well, here's a quote from Max Eber, which uh, was tweeted on uh, the Gladbach Twitter account today. Torgen has told us that he does not want to extend his contract and instead wants to take the next step in his career by leaving the club. However, he still has a contract with us until 2020 and there's no release clause. Interested parties have to offer us a transfer fee that recognizes his worth as an exceptional Bundesliga forward. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, a transfer is on the cards. Uh, not entirely sure if it's going to be Dortmund or, you know, if Liverpool show interest. If I were talking Hazard, probably go there. Um, but, um, here are two ways to look at it. Um, if Dortmund spend 40 million, I think, I mean, it's, it's still a lot of money. Um, because it's a player that has not, I think he's 26 by now. He so far is yet to play a whole season on a high level consistently. So that's something that uh, uh, is going to be a little bit problematic. On the other hand, he will be the replacement for Christian Pulisic. And I think in that respect, Dortmund will do better. Now the question is, is Hazard really the right winger that Dortmund need? Or are there other players they, they could um, utilize I mean, they're also heavily, heavily linked with Julian Brandt. So, um, I think there are a lot of factors that really speak for Torgen Hazard. But on the other hand, there are a couple of reasons why one could say maybe Dortmund are overspending on, on a player. Maybe for 40 million, you can get someone even better. But I don't know. Uh, but I don't know about you, Matthias. I think the uh, track record of Dortmund spending a lot of money on Bundesliga players hasn't worked out too well. Um, recently, I mean, we talk about, um, still the 30 million for Andre Schöle. We talk about the, I think 20 million it was for, uh, Marius Wolf. I think by now we can also say that the 20 million for Maximilian Philipp were like, meh. So, um. Yeah, spending a lot of money on wingers is not apparently Dortmund's no. strong suit. Uh, if you also throw in Yarmolenko, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I think I think if you combine all of those players, Azad is the better of all of them. Um, I I actually think Wolf is a better right back than he is a, a right winger. Um, and he'd probably be really good for other clubs. I think he still would have been great at at Frankfurt, but um. If I had my choice between Julian Brandt and Torgen Azar, I would take Julian Brandt simply because of age and because I think there's greater upside to him. Um, and and he doesn't seem quite as injury prone. I mean, Azad has had 
quite a few injuries. So I think if, if I would have to pick, if you would tell me Julian Brandt or Togan Hazard, I will pick Julian Brandt. Um, but uh, hey, you know, in this world these days, 40 million euros is like nothing. Yeah, I mean, Dortmund have been linked with other players like Sessegnon and, and, and so forth. So um, I think there's going to be a lot of um, transfer discussion in the uh, not so not so uh, far future. Um, because now I, I personally, sorry, I personally believe Dortmund will sign a left back given the amount of left backs Dortmund is getting linked with. Uh, where there's smoke, there tends to be what fire, do, and I think we can all the, agree uh, that's the, an um, issue. Uh, rumor about Felipe Luis. I had, that's one that I saw that and I saw it on Transfermarkt. I just read today on Twitter that and Butzke it's, apparently in some some talk did not really manage to. Uh, Throughout that rumor, to put it this way. Well, I think he also likes to stir the pot a little bit, you know, keep other clubs on their toes, uh, as it were. That that's one that kind of threw me. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, obviously, defensively, I, I don't really have an issue there. Um, going forward, maybe maybe more of an issue. But I, um, I, I'd hate to see him leave Atletico. Uh, I think um, there are. Other options for Dortmund uh, coming out of the Bundesliga that would be cheaper, um, and and one of them could be Schulz, one of them could be Max. Um, so I, I I would prefer one of those over Philippe Luis. I don't think the his upside versus their downside, given the price tag he'll command, also in terms of salary. I'd I'd personally go the other direction than him. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. I mean, I kind of would like for Dortmund to add some like real real depth at the uh, fullback positions that you don't only have one A option and then the other option is like three C or something, but you know real options for the fullback positions because um, of course you still have Hakimi. Um, Pischek's getting older. Schmelzer is not being uh, regarded anymore, so. Um, I think you need to come up with a lot of uh, money for for these positions because uh, you know it's it's not that easy to find good fullbacks at this moment and I think that uh, especially on on the European stage um having a really good fullback in these high profile games makes all the difference and if if one is injured which is usually the case for Dortmund um that you at least have someone else um hopefully that that you can rely on obviously Knowing Dortmund both will be injured at the same time for, for good games, but nevertheless, um, I think this is something that really needs to be addressed. Then, um, the uh, striker situation, um, because only Alcacer is not enough. I don't know if, uh, just, uh, getting back Alexander Isak is, is a solution. Don't really think so. And then you need another, uh, player in midfield that is more of a linker player and since uh, the hoot is n not an option for the future um there are still question marks behind julian weigel and whether he wants to move to psg finally and uh, as i already explained that the whole delaney witzel partnership is is nice and all but also not for the long term especially if you want to rotate a little bit more and give for example mr witzel a rest here and there because he looks a bit tired too then uh yeah a lot of things to do for Michael Zorc, but I mean, he announced that uh, Dortmund's transition, so to speak, 
is not yet complete and Dortmund really uh yeah want to you know a get rid of a lot of players like Rode and, and Schürrle in the next transfer window but at the same time I think um yeah transform their squad even further so it's going to be a lot of uh, fun for the silly season so to speak but uh, I think this is starting now because all the negotiations talks and then everything in the background is already uh, fully ongoing right now because Dortmund can plan for the next season either as champions or not but 100% they will be um Champions League um qualifications I, I don't think there's any doubt about it I think with another win against Mainz they actually have it in the back mathematically or well one more one more game I think there are 15 points now between them and fifth place and with 18 points to go you know I whatever don't really have to talk about it so Matthias unless there's another thing you want to address all right nope, all right I'm good uh, please tell our listeners where they can uh, strongly disagree with you on Twitter <laughs> I, I welcome all Dahoud fanboys to uh, or fangirls to um, hit me up on Twitter uh, at Matthias. All right. If you really think that uh, my opinion that Lucien Favre in the long term might not be the right coach for Dortmund is absolutely atrocious and uh, you want to tell me that directly to my face, use the Twitter handle at Stefan Butzko. Um, otherwise, uh, please follow us at YellowWallPod and... Yeah, also the same on, on Facebook. Doing the outro for so many years, yet can't do it <laughs> consistently well, just like uh, Dortmund. So anyway, please subscribe to our show on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. And if you want to contribute financially, go to patreon.com slash the yellow wall. Matthias, again, thanks for coming on. And everyone out there who actually was motherhist enough to listen to this episode, thank you for listening and goodbye.